when I decided to leave, I was out of California now when I was in Centennial Park. I was in the headquarters. I had made the announcement video from there. That made it even, even worse. She asked, what's going on? And again, I didn't think anyone understood. I told her everything that I could in like two minutes. I was born in this, left everything, leaving my relationship. I just hurt myself, leaving everything I've ever known. Didn't think she understood, but she said two words, and then I just burst out crying. Welcome to part two of Growing Up in a Polygamy Cult with my friend Calvin Wayman. Uh, Calvin is a former member of a fundamental Mormon cult, and in part one, he told us all about what it was like growing up with four moms and 44 siblings in a very isolated and secretive environment. Today, we're going to be talking about how Calvin got out of that cult uh, and what he went through to escape that lifestyle. Uh, Calvin, thank you so much for joining me again. Uh, Good to be back for round two. Part one was so interesting and, and for me, mind-blowing because there's so much about your cult that was similar to the cult that I grew up in, the shiny, happy people cult, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the rules were the same, no dating, you got to wear dresses, you have to live this, this kind of purity lifestyle. Uh, but that's about where the similarity stopped and yours just went next level. Um, it, you know, the, 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 the stuff about growing up adjacent to Warren Jeff's cult. I mean, how yeah. crazy. And you talked about how, you know, you had to kind of hide because yep. you were living in Salt Lake City mm -hmm. around a ton of people. But here you mm -hmm. were. Here was your family uh, yep. practicing polygamy, which is illegal. Yep. Um, and at any time. If, if anyone had found out, they could have had your dad arrested, right? Yeah, at least that's the fear that we had that my dad or any of my parents could go to jail. And so that's what made us so secretive, yeah. which honestly got exhausting after oh, a Oh, I'm sure. I, I can't even imagine. But but then you also talked about how uh, your dad and, and more specifically your, your grandfather, who was your prophet, right? Yep. Um, yep. In, one in of the One of the council, one of the six. Yeah. Uh, they let you go to college. And that's where yes. you finally started seeing some cracks in this faith yes. that you grew up in, right? Yes. Was there was there something like like one thing that you realized and had the aha moment where it was like, I gotta get out of this? Or was it was it all just very gradual? It was gradual, but there was something that um that got me to that point ultimately, in a sense. So so going to college was the crack. And then what blew the door wide open is I got out of the bubble. Mm. So I left Utah and went and lived in Southern California. And not only is that a different state, more liberal than the environment I'm in, it, it's not even that. It, it was, I was now outside of it for the first time. Right. And it's such a, it, it's a culture shock, but mm -hmm. like I always knew California was over there, but it, it, it did not feel like that. I was just in California. It felt like I was in a different world. Right. And if you can imagine like everybody, you know, is Mormon mm -hmm. when like growing up the way that I grew up. And even if they weren't, if it was somebody else and you told them you were a fundamentalist Mormon, they would know. And right. something strange happened when I um, went to California. I started to to open up to people I trusted about who I was, 
where I came from. And one of the most surprising reactions to that when when I would tell, tell them I was Mormon is they were, they were like, oh, what's that? Hmm. My whole existence was that. And so yeah. I was like, wait a minute. No Some one knows like, about this stuff. Yeah. And, and there was just something about that that made, made me, made it feel smaller, my world yeah. smaller, even though it was everything. And I started to realize how much bigger the world was and how small this very, this, this life was this, mm. that felt so significant. And then things just started stacking on each other. Um, have you ever heard, um, so in, in Christianity, there's this whole uh, line of reasoning on all sorts of narratives of the nature of God, the nature of reality. But sure. then every once in a while, we hit into some sort of dead end. And as soon as there's some dead end and somebody says, well, what about this? And it can't be explained. There's this common line in Christianity. It says, it's a mystery. Right. Yeah. Or uh -huh. God works. You've heard this before. Oh, God yeah. works of course. in mysterious ways. Uh -huh. Mormonism has has something like that, where it, once dead ends happen, there is a line that we've always been used, and it's called, oh, if it doesn't make sense yet, put it on the shelf. Mm, okay. If it doesn't make sense, put it on the shelf. This is something that anybody that's Mormon or, or connected to Mormonism is like, is like right now listening, like, yes, we totally had that. Whether you're fundamentalist <laughs> or LDS, common phrasing, don't throw it away, put it on the shelf. There's a whole conversation about that one thing just because like we could have a conversation about just the psychology in that like you question something like why don't black people have the priesthood and right. that's something that you actually want an answer to but you're conditioned to not to not investigate it just put it on the shelf until yeah. it makes sense so when i moved to california the best way to think about it is there's there started to become a lot of things that I was needing to put on the shelf. Mm. There was a lot of things that weren't making sense that I was like, what is what the matter? What's with this? What's with this? Mm -hmm. And here's a big one. It actually was other. It was other good people that really blew this open. So I, uh, I moved to California because I quit my day job and wanted to be an entrepreneur. So okay. I always had this drive for freedom, working for myself. And I went and did door to door sales selling solar in Southern California. Oh, okay. Um, now, were, be, were, you, were you married at this point? Yes. So okay. I was married at this point. Um, okay. Had just, like, I was married, had a one-year-old son at the time. We loaded up the U-Haul, went to California with no freaking, you know, yeah, n n no guarantees. It, uh, it was a wild experience. Did you have family members out there? I mean, Zero. why did you pick only, Southern California? I had a buddy who okay. had had gone out there. He and I worked at the same job and he had gone out there and I was honestly looking for some out yeah. mm -hmm. for a couple of years because mm -hmm. I did not belong in somebody's cubicle. And so as soon as he went out there, I was like, okay, this is my move. I had gone to school for business and entrepreneurship. And so I wanted to have my own type of thing. And I had also heard from people that door to door was like good character building that if you could do four <laughs> four months of door to door sales then that was worth more than a four year business degree i was like well if i want to be an entrepreneur then here's let's go do it i also thought it was going to be easy because it was southern california and it was sellers <laughs> the problem was is there was everybody else thought that too and so you're like the 
when you're knocking on somebody's door, you're like the 15th company that has knocked on their door in the last month. And so they're so annoyed. It, but it really was a good experience. So I, I went there for a year. But while I'm out there, I was doing door to door and I also knew I wanted to start some sort of an online business. And I ended up hiring this business coach that was super Christian. Mm. And this was a, this, this is really what started to open the door for me because he twice a month, he would do these meetups at his house for some of his friends um, myself included, where we would come to his house to talk about business, but from kind of a biblical perspective. Now, I'm not particularly religious or anything like that, but one of the things that we did to start the, the meetup after socializing is they would share stories of good things that happened in their life around their business, something to be grateful for. And there was this undertone of like, uh, you know, having gratitude to God and stuff like that. He called them God stories of uh, like just showing gratitude. This was such a big deal for me because I talked about this on the first episode a little bit. The reason Mormons feel that they are the one true church is because they have this thing called the priesthood. Right. The priesthood is what allows you to speak for God, mm -hmm. it's also what is what allows blessings in your life. I was taught growing up that literally every good thing that I ever had was from the priesthood. From I gotcha. my life to the things I enjoyed, my actual spouse, blessings came from the priesthood. Oh, And here I was seeing mm -hmm. amazing things come to these people what they don't, they don't have, have the priesthood, priesthood. how are they What's getting going? blessings and it confused me i remember thinking is this the devil confusing them and they think it's coming from god it can't be it must be coming from the devil but they think it's coming from god like i was genuinely wow. confused and the more i started talking and and seeing these people i ended up going to this church called C3. Again, I'm not particularly religious, but it was just a completely different environment. Sure. Then, because he was like, yeah, come. And I was like, I felt welcomed. I felt, I felt good energy. Uh -huh. And I think hum you and I were talking a little bit offline um, how humans learn well through contrast. And so I'm living this life in California but I would travel to Utah every so often, every month, every two months, every three months or whatever to go to church. And then I sit in my church and I'm like, I'm noticing a difference here. Yeah. It's very much like you better do this or else you're going to hell or that like it's really fear based. And then I'm start yes. starting to have this internal dialogue of what, how do I want to live my life? Do I want to, uh, how do I want to live? Even my eternity, like, do I want to be scared into heaven? Like, that was a big question for me. And I was like, do I want to be governed by fear? Like, do I want to not do something just because I'm afraid of it? And, and I started to recognize how that was such a big thing. 
And then I started to open up to my closest friends. I started to mm. tell my what things that I was taught and believed and started to realize that the only reason I would believe it at all is because that's what I was used to. And there was stuff that just didn't resonate with me. And so for the first time I started to say, you know what? Like there was stuff about, you know, the LGBTQ community. There was mm -hmm. stuff about, you know, race. Race was a big one yeah. because um, in Mormonism, especially fundamentalist Mormon Mormonism, mm -hmm. it's incredibly racist. So in fundamentalist Mormonism, black people cannot hold any sort of church position. Black people cannot have the priesthood. Yes. That was one of the questions that came up from part one is, you know, is fundamental Mormonism, do they still hold some of the racist tenets? One hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. And so it became very clear to me that it was incredibly uncomfortable to um, think that I was somehow better than anyone due to the color of my skin. That did not make sense to me. I, I started to collect friends of different cultures, ethnicities, and that was a really big one. Then I started traveling. Like I started being like, okay, I need to see what I actually believe in. There's, and I started going to like Costa Rica, Israel, Thailand, London, Paris. What big one was like going to Israel. I went to the Western Wall. I talked to a bunch of Orthodox Jews there and seeing how devout they were in their faith. Right. And then mm. no one there, not like people in California didn't know what Mormons were, except once they started telling them, oh, yeah, you guys have like a, a castle looking thing on the side of the freeway, our temples, like LDS <laughs> temples. People in Israel had no idea what Mormons were, let alone fundamentalist Mormons. But but they were so, <coughs> excuse me, they were so devout mm. in their faith. And it just made me start to realize there's more than one way. Yeah. And if there's more than one way. What way is right for me? And why am I so steeped in this particular way? Exactly. If there's so many ways out there, why am I so tied to this one particular way? I, I, I love the line that you're going into because that's what I feel like ultimately happened is it went from less of a, an external inquiry about why do they believe that? Why do they believe that? To why do I mm, yeah. believe this? What makes me believe this? And I would use other religions to help me in that dialogue with myself. Like I would ask, why is anybody in Warren Jeff's church in that church and not the work? Mm -hmm. Ours is obviously the right one. Yeah. That's what I might've thought at one point. Why? Well, because their parents told them mm -hmm. that they were the right one. And it's what, Oh, so too bad for them. Like, like that sucks. They, they just happen to be born in the wrong spot. And so that's why they believe it. But then I'm like, well, wait a minute, Cal. Couldn't they say the same thing about me? Exactly. And I started to really look at that and be like, whoa. And then I found some stats somewhere along the way. I think I mentioned this on episode one, but maybe not where um, whatever religion you hold at like a, a young adult, there was a 75% plus chance that it's the same religion of your parents. Mm. And I was like, wait a minute. There's so many religions. There's so much difference. And my, this whole time, I thought 
genuinely with myself that I was in it because it was the truth and that I had a testimony of it. And now I'm starting to realize these other people feel the same thing about their religion, but it's very obvious to me that that's not why. It's not really because they have that testimony. They didn't discover it. They were in it. They were yeah. born into it. And then they justified it. And then I asked well myself, well, where are you doing that? And there were just so many things that started to just not make sense. I remember, again, I'm, I'm flying places now. And there was one particular time I'm on the plane. I love flying. It's where I have my, I guess, my deepest thinking. It's where I have, like, uh. perspective. I'm above everything. And one time I'm... Because during this whole period, like I'm, there's not a waking moment where it's not on my mind. Every aspect of my day, because it's it's my life on the line, my my soul. And I remember looking out the plane, looking out the window once, and the ground looked like a quilt. So yeah, a bunch of farmland. Uh huh. You know, and Centennial Park, the church that I'm from, or the work as it's called. Is on is in a square mile, and I had imagined in this quilt below me that one of those was my church, and I imagined being God, looking at the entire quilt of all of these square miles of all these different kinds of people and things, and I thought what are the chances that I'm in the one right square of all those mm. squares? Wow. But beyond that, I asked myself, if I'm God, would I be choosing just one of those? Like, would, would I be making, like, that one square, they're the only good ones. Yeah. Everybody else is wrong at best, evil in other cases. Like, I don't know if I want to live this way. And so then I'm really starting to consider that what if this is not true? And how old are you at this point? 29, almost turning 30. So I've lived my entire life in this at this point. And, and really, you'd only started to question it when you were in your early 20s, right? Like I around started, 21? yes, yes. So it, it took like eight years from the crack mm -hmm. to leaving. Wow. So now for the first time, I'm considering, what if I leave this? That opens an entirely new can of worms. In fact, I get goosebumps again mm -hmm. when I go there because as soon as I start asking myself, what if, what if I leave? The fear of hell and damnation was so incredibly strong because what if I'm wrong? What if I leave and, I'm, and I shouldn't have? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was this there was this time period during this phase where I almost did not feel safe in my own thoughts. Wow. Because we we were taught in fundamentalist Mormonism that there was a very clear plan before we were born. There's a very clear plan while I'm here mm -hmm. and where I'm going. Yep. It was all laid out, so clean, so this and a couple things there. Number 1, I could be messed like life is like this and eternity is like this. And so my one decision in this moment could fuck up my entire existence. Absolutely. And you can blaspheme with your thoughts. Yes. Just having the thought that, oh, maybe this God 
isn't actually how it is that I've grown up with that's been indoctrinated. Maybe this isn't really the way that is considered uh, blasphemy. Totally. And so I, I totally get where you're coming from because I had the same issue growing up where it was like, is this really it? Is, is, mm-hmm. is, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this how, how, how my entire life is supposed to be structured? And you start thinking that and you pull that thread and it starts unraveling a little bit. And then you get to your idea of God, everything that you've been taught about this all knowing, all seeing omniscient being, right? Uh, and if you start to question that immediately, the guilt complex starts hitting you in the back of the brain. Totally. I I had that. I, mm. And it put me in like a dark place for a while because I was gambling with my soul while I'm trying to figure this out. And there I'm just, mm. and I keep going back and forth like, okay, what if I'm wrong? Maybe it's it. And I, I started the, I would do these uh, thought experiments with myself. One of them was, okay, knowing what I know now, because I've traveled a lot, I've seen different faiths. If I was on neutral footing, and I hadn't been conditioned. Mm-hmm. Let's imagine I was—I lived in Israel my whole life. Yeah, would I be clawing my way to get into fundamentalist Mormonism? Yeah. Probably not. And so I then started to really see what what do I believe? Yeah. And if I was on, this is a question I ask people all the time: If you were on neutral footing, can you honestly say that you would choose? the religion, the belief system, the life that you're in now. Mm -hmm. And so I would do those things and I started like, I don't think I would because then there's all these things around, you know, the way my religion viewed gays and again, race and stuff like that. I'm like, do I want to No, I like, that doesn't feel good to me. Mm. And so I remember I then started telling my friends about this dilemma that I'm in Mm. that I'm considering leaving and how hard it was. And there was one weekend in particular where I had, I'm just like almost sobbing. And I had a few friends around me, like just saying, talk to me, what, what does this feel like? And I'm just like, I think I don't believe it. And I said it out loud for the first time. Um, I didn't fully said I'm, I'm going to leave, but I was like, I'm questioning it. And they're like, what's going on with you right now? And I was like, I'm afraid. Mm. I'm afraid of, of what? Of, of hell of damnation of me ruining my entire existence up Mm -hmm. and then somebody one of my friends said describe what you what you anticipate hell to feel like and i describe it to them and then they said isn't that kind of what you're feeling like right now yeah and there was something in that that was like the thing that i was fearing i was already living yeah i was living in hell Mm -hmm. And so somehow that gave me this, this freedom to really take a step back and see what I believed in. And then there's this moment. I, I actually pulled up my, my phone the day, the moment that I decided and I'm start, and I start talking out like, uh, I'm like, I, 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 I'm about to say something I think I've never actually voiced or said to myself out loud. And it's interesting when I play back that voice memo because it takes me forever to say it, mm. to say the words 
I don't think I am going to stay. Wow. I think I'm going to leave. That was such a crazy moment. It's so, it's so wild because the other thing outside of the fear of going to hell, there's so much comfort in having a, a, a roadmap right. laid out for you already mm-hmm. yeah. saying this is your life. So I'm not just leaving everything I've ever known and leaving something that what if I'm wrong, I'm going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. I'm also stepping into a fuckload of uncertainty. Yeah. A life of there is no blueprint mm-hmm. to this. There was no where am I going after this? People ask me, what was the thing that made you ultimately make that decision? Tie back to the cult or to the cave story that I talked about in episode one. I was like, how do I want to live my life? Because I'm I'm now in this dilemma. I'm like, I could be wrong and I could go to hell. But how do I want to live? Do I want to live avoidant? Do I want to live of I'm not taking a step out of fear? What it really came down to is Am I going to, what, what's creating the fear or, or even the story of hell out here? It was the projection of my church leaders, mm. what I was told, the books I read. It was not, I didn't ever discover these things that I'm fearing. I was told them. Right. It was a projection. Mm-hmm. And so... I asked myself, do I want to live a life that is me behaving from what the outside world is putting on me? Or do I want to follow my own gut and my own internal guiding system for the first time? Right. That might seem obvious in retrospect, but following this one, could be dangerous because it could mean I'm going to hell Mm -hmm. if I'm wrong. But what I came to, and by the way, just a quick side tangent on Mormonism. This is such a big deal where that is so demonized. It's the, it's why you need priesthood because you are flawed. And if you listen to your internal self, you can't like, you might be wrong. You need to give that up to God, the the church leaders. That's why they find you, your spouse and all that mm-hmm. stuff, because you are flawed. Right. And I realized I, that might be true. I, I could be flawed. I could be flawed in my thinking. This could all be for selfish reasons. I, I could just, I could just be justifying that I want to, you know, live an easier life that I want to go, you know, explore anything, uh, my sexuality, different mm-hmm. people living in different parts of the world. Like, it, it is, are, are all those things wrong? Like, is that just me being selfish? And what it came down to is, even if that meant that, even if it meant that I was going to hell, if I could go to hell, I, I'm willing to face that. Mm. Because I do not, did not, and do not want to live a life that is someone else's life. Yeah. That is some external thing telling me what I should do, how I should think, or how I should behave. Mm-hmm. It has to, like at the, on my deathbed, there's this saying that I just, I, I, I want to die on my own sword, so to speak. Like mm-hmm. I want to make my life choices based on what I feel. 
And so the, for the first time that day, it felt like I could take a sledgehammer and knock that shelf to pieces because all the stuff that I was putting on the shelf, I'm now saying, Oh, I don't have to rationalize that anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, fuck the shelf. Uh huh. I'm there. I'm not better because of how I was born or the shape or the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. I don't think that, uh, that there's only one way to live. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I'm a bad person if I want to live differently than what everybody else around me thinks. I don't think that I need to live in Utah or Arizona. I don't think that's the only true places on God's green earth right? where good people are, yeah. you know? And so then I started to like, that was it. That was the, that was the moment. That was the mm. thing that made me say like, that was like, I'm going to live a life from my own internal guiding system from the inside out instead of the outside world telling me how I should mm. think or act or behave. And, and this is where it's like you mentioned in, in part one, this is where the real traumatic stuff starts kicking in right because it's 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 exactly like we talked about growing up so right in the cult when that's all you know and that's your life and that's your reality it's really not that overly traumatizing uh and and we know bad stuff happens and it's it's awful Mm -hmm. it's horrible right um but it's not that overly traumatizing when you're in it but now that you've made the decision i'm done with this i'm moving on i'm claiming my own life i'm standing in my own truth that's when it starts to get really, really tough. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it did. Mm. Um, I had no idea. Like I thought that was the tough decision. And it was that, that decision to this day is the hardest decision I've ever made in my life. Mm. Um, because of what it felt like was at stake and yeah. it was so many things at stake. But you're so right. I had, but I had no idea what would come after it. Cause one of the things that happened was I was like, okay, I'm going to live, as you said, I'm going to live in my truth. I didn't want to be shy about it. I, I I was done living a life of secrecy. I was done. And I also didn't want to play the half in half out game. Mm-hmm. I didn't want people to think I was in and not, I was like, I wanted people to know. And so we had social media and stuff. Um, some, some tight religions don't, but we did. And I, and I announced it on my social wow. media yeah and and your your dad your four moms your siblings i'm assuming they have access to social media as well yes actually that's actually a good point sidestep um before i announced it i went and told my dad he oh, was like wow. the it, yeah i traveled to his house there was going to be thanksgiving at his house and i went there the day before thanksgiving and i went and told him and it was like yo uh, I asked him if we could go up into his room in a private place. And I was like, I just want to let you know, I've made the choice. I'm leaving the work. <clears throat> it's difficult to convey what this, what he hears when I say that Yeah. in Mormonism. Yeah. Literally it would have been better on him. If I came to him and said, Hey dad, I've really given this some thought and I'm going to end my life. Mm-hmm. Like yep. it's just been too tough. I have one more week and then I'm just going to end it as a parent hearing that obviously that would be crazy. You'd want to, but in fundamentalist Mormonism, we are literally taught that it would be better 
to have never been born mm -hmm. or to have some freak accident than to leave. Yeah. Because to leave is to flip off God yep. for the beautiful blessing that he gave you. Mm -hmm. And you're judged not by your actions all, all the way. You're judged by the the knowledge that you had right. and then how you acted. And you're not telling him I'm ending my life. You're telling him I'm ending this life and I'm ending my eternal life as well. Yes. That's yes. what he heard, right? And yes. I, I mean, I, I I understand exactly what you're talking about because in fundamental Christianity, it's it's very, very similar to what you're talking about. So what, yeah. I, I mean, what was his reaction to that? He was sad. And the first thing he did is he, uh, he like he got up and he started like getting books and and said, before you fully decide, please read these. And he gave me books, all books that I had already read. Yeah. All books in my study. And I was like, okay. Okay, father. Because that's what we use. We didn't use dad because dad was too informal. Um, okay, father. I, I will take these. I'll read through some of them, but I've decided. And it was a heavy thing, but it was a freeing thing. Um, because my dad was... He was, he was my, my, he was my advancement yeah. through life. Like when you go through fundamentalist Mormonism as a, as a young boy, the first thing you want to do is you want to get baptized because baptism that doesn't happen at birth. Like a lot of churches, it doesn't happen until eight years old. And you want to be good enough to get baptized because then you're in the army of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. But then as a guy, you want to keep on advancing. One of the first advancements is you can get what I might call the baby priesthood. It's not as good as like the regular priesthood, but young boys at around 12 years old get the priesthood. In my upbringing, my dad did not believe in just giving a boy the priesthood because he turned 12. They needed to, sh to show that they were ready mm. for it. He took it very seriously. And so I was like really about like, I'm going to make my dad proud. And, and he didn't give me the priesthood till I was like 14 because he was like, I just want to make sure you're like totally ready. And I got it. And then I went from that to like the, the big boy priesthood. Um, and then I had to be a good enough person to, that he would then recommend me to my grandfather and the other church leaders that I was ready to be married. So everything like my entire advancement was through mm. him. So it, it felt strange for me to cut that off because yeah. he and my grandfather, I mean, they're the people that I loved most and right. respected the most in my entire life. And so to then go disappoint them. And, and it, it sounds like uh, you had a great relationship with your family growing up. This wasn't one of those scenarios where, you know, it was um, an abusive and dangerous environment for you necessarily. Uh, I mean, you know, well, it was fundamental. um, that's a different conversation. Um, oh, really? because it definitely was in oh, some points. No. Yes, it definitely was. It definitely was, uh, physically and, and verbally, especially. Mm. And that's a whole other conversation because I was conditioned to think that that was normal. Mm. It was normal to, oh, you were out 30 minutes past curfew, even though you're a young adult. I'm going to be, I'm going to like punch the shit out of you and you're going to take it like a man because you 
you you broke my one of my rules. No, there was definitely that. And oh my god, um, that was also. I mean, you brought up the traumatizing after afterward. <clears throat> that became a part of it because once you start, I didn't realize that I had other things on the shelf like that. Oh. And once I start realizing and unpacking, oh, this is not cool. I'm not cool with this at all. And it happened. And then somebody that I did love and respect was doing it. But then I tried to rationalize it in some way because I had to for my own survival. And then again, starting to unpack all that, it, it brought up a lot. Mm, absolutely. But, but tying, tying this back to um, after I told him and then going to social media, like everything's, it's like, Every step of the way is like a big, a big, uh, I'm, I'm becoming more and more raw and exposed. Yeah. But again, it was important to me that I, again, I told my dad and I didn't want to hide in any closets anymore. And so <clears throat> I went to my social media and I made a video, was very respectful. I just said, I decided to leave my religion. This is probably the biggest announcement I've ever made. Um, some people are going to ask me questions like, does that mean you hate all of your blessings? Do you, are you throwing everything away? What's your problem? This was very, a very, a very personal decision. I had no desire to say anybody else was wrong or that their life was wrong or that anybody in the church is wrong. I was like, for me, this is my choice that I'm making for myself. Right, right. And even to like the people saying, does this mean you hate the the like everything that you've ever gotten from it do you think it's wrong I'm like what it feels like to me is it feels like i'm like this 20 something 25 year old boy that is leaving his parents house for the first time now when you're 25 and you're going out on your own you're leaving your parents house does that mean you hate your parents not necessarily you know like does that mean that you're ungrateful for everything they gave you? Of course not. It just means it's time. Maybe overdue even, but, <laughs> but it's it, time. It, it certainly can be received that way. Yeah. Uh -huh. And that's what it felt like to me. It's like, I, I am grateful for the things I've gotten, but I feel very strongly that this is my next chapter. And so just want to put it out there. So that was the tone, but Boy, did it cause a shitstorm. Oh, I can't um, even imagine, dude. Yeah. So I wasn't the only, like, it wasn't unique to have anybody leave the religion per se. Like, that had happened. But I think I'm the first to ever leave publicly. Hmm. And so that Facebook post got a lot of heat. But it also, man, I had to grow up quick because uh, it had so much toxicity that I was not prepared for. I, um, about 99% of the my friends and acquaintances that I grew up with became estranged overnight. Wait, 99% of the people that you had essentially viewed as your family. Yes, and friends. Were just gone. Yeah, people that I had shared intimate moments with and shared my deepest, you know, secrets or thoughts like, immediately were just like, you're, you're a fucking idiot. What are you doing? Uh, you, like it just, it wasn't the same. 
and, and even wow. even family members, brothers, sisters, certainly my dad and I were having issues at the at this time too, uh, shortly after leaving. Um, it was very isolating. And then I be, I'm becoming the talk of the thing when I'm not even around. Oh, of I'm course. Some friends come back to me and they're making bets on how long I'm going to be gone. Like some people are mm. like, oh, he's going to come back. He's just going through this stupid phase. Just having a little he, he crisis. Got, it's going to be fine. Yep, yeah. Yep. It's it's the the devil's getting a hold of him for a little bit because he started to travel the world, but he's going to be back. And people are like, yeah, dude, Calvin was so in it. There's no way he's going to stay out. Like there's all these things happening. I'm being talked about in church. Mm. Um, over the pulpit and um, and then it hits home even more because then that led into question well what does that mean for my marriage right because you're married with kids at this point yeah mm. exactly and at this time I am now getting really serious about what do I want in my life what kind of life do I want to have where do I want to live I, at this time, at this point I had moved, when I decided to leave, I was out of California now when I was in Centennial Park, I was in the headquarters, right? I had made the announcement video from there. And so that made it even, even worse because I knew I was going to be hanging out around people, but I didn't want there to be any, again, weirdness of like, who, where, where do you stand? I would way rather know where somebody stood, like if they're in something, then pretend. And so I make the announcement video, but then I'm going out to the grocery store and I'm seeing all these people that were just being nasty mm. to me. And, but it's just like awkward. And, and then of course they're asking me like, and her and stupid comments too, like, uh, from church leaders, like give our daughter back. That's talking about talking about my wife at the time wow. and people. And then that brings up other things like, uh, wait a minute, like other people that are out of the religion, mm -hmm. they are seeing the Facebook post too. And they're like, wait a minute, you're tr treating her like a piece of, like, she's an adult. She like, let them go through this themselves. And so now that's becomes a thing. Um, but, but it ultimately did come down to with us, like, what do we want? And I we wanted very different things. She wanted to stay in. She wanted to stay around it. I wanted to definitely not live there, around there. And it it got to this place where I had to make the other very difficult choice that it was like, mm. for us to be true to who we are, we need to leave each yeah. other. Yeah. And we did. And that was another big fat layer to this entire thing because... It was such a confusing time for me because here I am wanting to make a life that's true to myself, mm -hmm. but these first initial steps are the most painful things yeah. I've ever done. I'm like, why, why is being myself so painful? Mm -hmm. And then it makes me question, am I doing the right thing? Because it is so painful. Yeah. And the best thing I can say going through this time period, um, well, I'll share something actually, just in case it helps someone. I got suicidal. Mm. Um, I didn't realize how that I was until, like, I I had thought of it in like the. I think every human at some point questions existence and that sort of thing, but but I didn't have. 
like I just for 30 years, I just like, I'm like, this is not true anymore. I don't have it. And I'm fully like, I felt, especially people that I once called friends, I didn't have that anymore. I felt like that I had been stripped naked. Yeah. Thrown out of the camp. And I'm exposed to the elements. That's what it felt like. I'm just naked out there, naked and afraid. And there was one night that I, uh, I had just been waking up every day, wishing the cloud would go away and it hadn't gone away. And then one night I walked to a park and I still don't to this day know why I did this. It wasn't thought out very well, but I went up to like this, uh, light pole and like a reaction almost I bashed my head on the pole hurting myself Mm. and it was in that moment that I was like oh fuck I'm not in a good place Mm. and I thought if I'm if I'm feeling this way now where am I going to be in two weeks or two months And so that night, um, I reached out to the suicide prevention hotline and boy, am I glad I did. Um, I didn't think anybody would get it in that space. I was like, where do I go to right now? Cause the, the, the people like, I mean, certainly my, my ex spouse, like that was the person that I could go to with anything like with all this, that that's gone. Right my family they're not understanding mm-hmm. like i didn't and i didn't feel comfortable joining another church like organization mm-hmm. where it has these supporting elements like i'm really going through this what felt like quite alone and isolating and so and here i am like i i i, I and part of it was probably like i'm just taught and conditioned to like to be somewhat skeptical of outside help outside world but i'm but i reached out just for the very reason and like i remember telling the person like i don't even know if this is gonna help but because this happened tonight i just am like doing this as like a precautionary measure because i don't know what would happen in two weeks if i didn't because what if i get to the point in two weeks where i'm afraid to even where i'm like nobody's gonna get it yeah and so i don't reach out you know one of the things that you mentioned in part one was the loneliness that you felt um, yeah. when you realized that you were having this crisis of faith, right? Yeah. Um, and I think, I think it's it's so relatable for a lot of people because no one really understands how lonely it truly gets. Yeah. When you discover that the truth you grew up with is a lie. Yeah. And something so simple happened when I was on with this person on the other line. She asked, what's going on? Just tell me. And again, I didn't think anyone understood, but this is such a simple thing. I told her everything that I could in like two minutes. Like I was born in this, left everything, leaving my relationship. I just hurt myself leaving everything I've ever known didn't think she understood but she said two words she was like 
that's hard. Hmm. That, and then I just burst out crying. Because this entire time, it, it meant like just, just another human being acknowledging it. Because I just realized, like this whole time, I felt like I was justifying with everything. Everybody coming to me, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Don't do that. And I feel, and I'm like trying to give reasons, like, because this is what I feel. This is what feels true to me. This is the life that I want to live. And, and just having one human, one other human acknowledge with those simple words, ah, that's hard. Mm -hmm. It broke in, in such a good way. I just melted into a puddle and what that ended up doing is um, she told me about this organization called Holding Out Help. If there's anybody especially that is connected to fundamentalist Mormonism, highly recommend this group. Um, it's an organization that I didn't know about at that point that specifically helps fundamentalist polygamist Mormon kids wow. get on their feet. And that helped because through Holding Out Help, I was able to, you know, they got me a therapist, which was mm. so freaking helpful during this time. Thank God for therapy during mm. this time. Um, they were really generous to like, yo, is there, can we help you a little bit with groceries just to take a little bit off of your, of your mindset? Cause I'm still needing to like take care of my responsibilities. And like, that'd be really freaking helpful. Um, yeah. And then slowly, but surely I just started to learn things like that helped like, just simple things, like even all the justification, I like realizing with the help of a therapist saying like, do you know that you owe an explanation of your life choices to exactly zero people? Mm. Yeah. That was so freeing to me. Yeah. Like as long as you're not harming anyone and you're not, and you're living a life that's different from theirs and that's okay, you don't need to tell them that it's okay. Right. You just need to know that it is. And my therapist helped me realize that one thing, you owe an explanation of your life choices to exactly zero other adults mm -hmm. in your life. If they, if you want to, you can, if somebody's in your circle, like I got to learn about my own personal boundaries, like what's good and healthy. And, and in a strange way, what I, what started then is reparenting myself. Mm. You know, becoming this new human. And that's what I feel like even now is um, I'm 35 now, so I'm five years into this new life. It feels somewhat fresh, you know, like 30 I leave. Yeah, you know, extremely fresh. You're it, only five years removed yeah, from this and, massive life-altering decision. Yeah, and, <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 I leave it then I leave the marriage, then I uh, like, then COVID happens. And then I start questioning everything. And I'm like, really having to put pieces in place. And then like last year, I'm like, I think it's New York City, I come to New York City on and off. I'm like, yes, it's did. I've picked my spot. And I've been here for two months. Like, I'm in it. I'm in it. Like, it's still it's still happening. Day by day. Like, it's like, it's not like, I'm, I'm good. I'm happier than I've ever been. But boy, has it been a journey to get to this point. Amazing. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, what a, what a, and what a journey it is from living in seclusion and isolation 
in the middle of nowhere, Utah. Well, I mean, you were mm-hmm. in Salt Lake City, but Cent- well, Centennial Park. Well, it was Park, a suburb I mean, of Salt Lake. It was a suburb, so yeah. it kind of was. It was Riverton, Utah, to be specific. So okay. my grandfather lived in actual Salt Lake, but my dad lived in a suburb, which, yeah. And, and again, didn't didn't go out to, you know, public parks or anything. So, yeah. And you go from that life to the life you have now, living in the middle of one of the biggest cities in the world. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what a, what an incredible dichotomy there. I love you know? it. it I, I feel like I'm, I didn't think I was going to get to where I'm at now with what I'm about to say. Um, for the longest time, I fucking hated, like, like my life and where I came from, in a sense, I didn't think it was fair. I was mad at, I don't know who I was mad at, but God, the universe, like it, like, I'm like, the more I learned about the nature of what, who I feel like I am truly, I was like, why would I be put into that? But I I genuinely am grateful for it. And the reason I am is of this, of this contrast of this, like you learn so well through that. And like, I don't know if I believe in past lives. I'll say this kind of cheekily, but um, I feel like if, if I have been born a lot, it's almost like, I feel like my soul's like uh, those magicians that like get their hands tied behind their back and thrown to the bottom of the ocean in a cage and try to get out. And I feel like that I was like, well, for this round, like, let's put me in a small town. Let's put me in a cult. Let's make me the 11th of 45 kids. And let's see it. Let's condition myself for like years and years and years be homeschooled. And let's see if I can get out of that one. Like, <laughs> that's what it feels like. And and I, I, what I look, I look at that as like a, a tribute, not to like the, the collective of, of the human spirit, genuinely. Like, I really think there is something cool about that because like, I'm not the only one that has ever been through hard shit. Uh, there's been people that have been through way fucking harder shit. And, but there is something to me that is really cool when I reflect on the human's, the human spirit's ability to 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 find something that that matters or find some sort of light through a little crack and pursue it mm. and and get out and and make something of it and genuinely the the perspectives that i get to have now wouldn't be as clear had i not been born where i was born and had i not yeah. gone through some of the hard stuff Boy, do I appreciate relationships that let you be yourself. Absolutely. Like, I'm so grateful for that. And, um, and I'm just, I mean, I have some really cool friends and I know it's just getting started. I'm building my community now, doing the things that I want. It's one of the things I love about New York City is here in New York, we like, there's one thing we care about. Who the fuck are you? Yeah. Let's, let's see it. Uh You know, like you don't need to be like, we we prioritize genuine direct honesty over niceties you know if there's something utah has it has a reputation of uh being very nice like mormons are nice mm-hmm. but being an insider the, if there was an olympic sport in passive aggressiveness they also have that <laughs> like they because we're supposed to be nice and so we might really think i hate this person but i'm gonna keep a smile on me i i'm so over that like in texas we call it bless me, your tell heart me. exactly i yeah. i I would rather you say, I fucking hate your guts. And I'm like, I appreciate you being honest about that. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I, so yeah. So it's a, it's a full chapter, a full chapter turn at this point. And for the first time in my life, I feel like I finally have my feet under me in a really good way where I'm like, okay, 
here, here we go. It's time to to build something out of this out of this life. Because the one thing I've learned in this whole process is, yes, I hope there's something before or after this. But the th- thing I do know is I've got this one, mm. and if I've got this one life, I want to live it. How powerful uh, being able to live your true, authentic self. You know, uh, I think that's just so crucial for anyone watching this right now. Be authentic. Be true to yourself. Um, yeah. Don't let your past, your upbringing, the conditioning you've experienced define you. Yep. Um, it's just so, so, so important. Um, I, I know uh, one of the questions that, that got asked a lot for part one was, you know, what happened to, to your your wife and your kids? Uh, and we know your, yeah. your wife wanted to stay yeah. in the work. Yeah. So they so. She decided to stay, which again, I respect it because that's her choice. You can't force anybody in their process. She's already remarried, you know, she mm. married to a great guy. Um, and even with my own journey, knowing how I learned so well through contrast, like this was a big thing for me to get to with my own kids, like what's going to be best for them. But she's a great mom and they live with her most of the time but they spend time with me as well. They can call me any moment with a watch. So we talk every oh, single day, but awesome. also like they were just out here in New York city for about 10 days with me. So they're getting to experience both. And as a parent, I'm excited about that because I, I have a lot of uh, optimism for a human being that gets to have multiple exposures to, to different perspectives. So as long as you get to have that and then you get to choose their life, like they can choose whatever they're, if they want to choose that, if they want to choose fundamentalist Mormonism, as long as it's done in a healthy way. Okay. But at the very least, I want them to get to experience what they're experiencing by being in and around it most of the time and also get to experience the outer world, the broader right. world as well. Well, and it's like you said, you, you know, and, and I feel the same way. You're you're grateful for the experience you had growing up in fundamental Mormonism, as difficult and, and traumatic as it can be in and getting out, right? Uh, I have the same mentality uh, about my upbringing in a cult as well. And, and being able to use those experiences now to help others, which you are about to launch a podcast all about this stuff. Tell me, tell me yes. about that. I'm so excited about this. Um, cultured, that's the name of it. Keyword cult, cultured. Um, a podcast about cults and culture from an ex-cult member. Um, launches August 4th. I've, there's a lot for me to unpack. There's like, I've, I'm so grateful for this and other conversations that I've gotten to have. For the longest time, I wondered if I was going to talk about this at all because I don't want to live in the past, but I don't think it is about the past. I think it's about like it's one thing to be living this life, but I think it is important to know the the process to get to this life, the one I'm in now. So I want to talk about some of the things that it, the only way it can be unpacked is with a long form conversation podcast. And so I'm really excited for this. This is something that I've had a lot of people ask me about as I've done interviews, like, are you going to write a book? Can you have a podcast? So I decided I'm going to do a podcast um, unpacking fundamentalist Mormonism more, but also other cults i'm gonna dive into yours you'll be on my show if you will Very exciting Dave. absolutely i'd um, love to but i also want to have this personal element to it where 
this human journey of growing up in a cult, the more details around it, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, the, the things I learned, the leaving it, going deeper with some of the stuff we talked about here, my life now, trying different things, sex, dating, all that stuff. Like what's like, cause things that might people might take for granted to me, it's like, yeah. you know, fruit tastes a little bit sweeter, you know, sunrises look a little bit cooler, like to like having gone through that. And so I just want to share some of those perspectives and maybe even I have like this lens too of like noticing other cult like behaviors that aren't religious. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you MLMs. I'm also looking at you yoga <laughs> studios. Like Ooh. there's some funs I'll, I'll play with. I'll play oh, with the yoga wanna... people are going to come after you. <laughs> exactly. No, no. Hey, everybody's great. Like here's the thing. All this is on a spectrum. And right. so there are communities that are like great, but it's like, just like, be careful. Like is, if, as long as they don't go too far, then watch it's out like, for okay, that high control behavior, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'll explore that in, in culture and other parts of society, uh, share the things that I'm trying that's new and all that sort of stuff. So I'm excited. It and you've got your August website cultured. cultured. Pod. Yeah, culturedpod.com. Uh, you can go there to be notified, actually. Put your information in so that you can be notified when the first episode drops or in any future episodes. So, yeah, Fantastic. culturedpod.com. I can't wait for uh, for that podcast to drop. I, I know you've got so much to share, uh, so much strength, so much hope, so re- so much recovery. Um, and, and I know that it's, uh, it's going to help a lot of people that might be still stuck in that mentality or are yep. wrestling with their own crisis of faith potentially so calvin thank you so much uh for doing this with me this has just been incredible uh y'all go look him up uh i'll be on the uh the cultured podcast as well uh so you'll be able to see more of calvin thank you again dude this has just been so incredibly inspiring this was fun thanks for having me